Hey there, it's your insider, Cindy Thomas, welcoming you into season two of the Insider's Career Club. Our podcast helps job seekers succeed in their career search. We share information on different careers and we keep those employed in the know with timely career news and advice. As an in-house talent acquisition recruiter, manager, and director, I've interviewed thousands of candidates and worked with managers to fill their positions. In over 25 plus years, I've witnessed firsthand numerous candidates fail, whether it was on their resumes or in their interviews. But you can succeed by getting help from a professional, from someone who's been on the inside, me. Understand what employers look for in their candidates. Listen to the podcast regularly and you can learn a lot. Our website, www.insiderscareerclub.com has free resources for your job search. Now, for those who are serious about succeeding, you can sign up for personalized career services. We'll tailor it specifically to you to help you land that great position. Hey, Insiders, it's Cindy Thomas, your Insider. Episode 9 of the Insiders Career Club podcast features Macy Ober-Newferman. She's a TV news producer. Now, as a military brat, she consumed a lot of news growing up near a military base in the midst of 911 and the war on terrorism. She always knew journalism was important and loved writing. She got involved with speech and debate in high school and attended the journalism school at Missouri State University. Landing her first journalism job at age 21, Macy was a storm chaser and traffic reporter at a local radio station. Later, she became an anchor reporter for a small Kentucky TV news station. Join us to hear how she transitioned into a position as a news producer. Macy, it's so wonderful to have you on the show. I really appreciate your coming to be on and telling us all about being in the news industry. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I am looking forward to our conversation today. So I'd like to start with just some simple questions. You grew up in Missouri. Can you share a little bit about your experience growing up there? Yeah. So I was actually part of a military family. My dad was in the Marine Corps. So we lived in North Carolina until I was about 12 years old. And Mm -hmm. my parents, they were high school sweethearts. They met in Missouri. So that's where they wanted to go back to whenever my dad got out of the service. So we moved to Missouri and it was an eye-opening experience because before we lived in a military town, it was a mid-sized city, probably 150,000 people. We lived near the beach. There was a lot of diversity. A lot of my friends, you know, had traveled all over the world because they also had military parents. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in the town where my parents met, which is a town in the middle of Southwest Missouri, (laughs) not close to any major city. It's like a three and a half hour drive from St. Louis. And I think the population the last time I checked was like 3000 people. Oh (laughs) my goodness. Yes. But from a young age, I would say news was a big part of what connected me to the rest of the world. I was kind of, I was an odd kid. I used to like turn the news on. I'd get excited. It'd be like the six o'clock news is on, you know, it wasn't cartoons. I knew like all the local anchors names. And whenever I moved, you know, there was still local news. It was different people, Uh but it was kind of that consistency. And I kept watching it 
as I grew up. Okay. Okay. That sounds very familiar to someone else I know. So moving out here wasn't such a, because you were a military brat, pardon the term, you moved around a lot, I'm I'm assuming. We did move a few times. I was lucky. We didn't move a whole lot when I was a kid. My dad was pretty consistently stationed, but there was a short period of time where he was in San Diego, but I'm, I was too young to even remember that. I had been to California before I moved out here. I'd visited a few times as a child. And then later on, on my own, a lot of my family who'd lived through the Dust Bowl had come out to California. So I knew a lot of people who were older who were familiar with area. Oh, great. Yeah, that had to give you what we call a soft landing. So when did you realize you had a talent for writing? I remember we had this writing contest when I was in sixth grade. And it's funny because when I was really young, I was not a good student. In high school, middle school, I was a straight A student. But in elementary school, Mm -hmm. it just seemed like nothing could capture my attention. And we had this writing contest that we had to do research for. And we had to pick a topic that had something to do with someone who inspired us. And it had to be someone who was living and mm-hmm. how to be someone who was actively doing something. And I remember I did Condoleezza Rice. And I remember looking up a bunch of stuff about her. And I just thought it was so exciting because she'd recently come to visit the town that I lived in. So I was like, really excited that I got to write about her. I didn't really think that I did that great of a job. But we all had to present them in front of the class. And my teacher pulled me aside afterward. And she was like, that was just so good. And she submitted me for a contest with a bunch of other schools where I had to go with a handful of students. And we basically had to compete and talk about the person that we wrote about. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was the first time that I realized that I enjoyed writing and Mm -hmm. that I was good at it. And it also really helps me focus because before that, it always kind of seemed like I was in school, but... I wasn't that interested in what was going on. And it was strange because I would go home and like I said, I'd watch the news and I love to read. But what we were learning in class wasn't holding my attention. I think that really helped with that. Well, it sounds like the teacher hit on something of interest to you and, you know, you were able to maximize it. So from there, where did you go with your writing? So from there in middle school and high school, I competed in speech and debate And there was this one category that we had called radio speaking. Basically, what you had to do was come up with a five-minute newscast. You had to write the stories, and you had to voice them in front of a microphone. And it was blind judging, so the judges would either face away from you, Uh or you would be behind a curtain. So they would never see you, almost like you were on the radio. I don't even know how I ended up doing it for the first time. But it's something that stuck, and I did it for several years. And then in high school, I actually went on to our state competition multiple times. And I remember standing on the stage my sophomore year when I made it into the finalist, like some of the top teenagers in the state, and I was the only girl on stage. It sounds like that all served you well for your later career. So was there anyone that you consider to be a mentor that helped you along in your career in the news industry or being a reporter or even being a writer? From a young age, my grandpa was always a huge advocate for education. And Mm -hmm. even 
in the early to mid 2000s, a lot of people I grew up around did not think women should have a career. And despite that, my grandpa was a huge advocate that I have an education and then I pick a career that I enjoy. And so he always pushed me to do something that I love. And he was beyond encouraging when I decided that I wanted to go into news. And from there, I had some really great professors who helped me out along the way. And my college internship, I will never forget, landed me my first job. I worked with this investigative journalist. Her name's Ashley Reynolds. Wonderful woman. She taught me so much. She took me under her wing. Mm -hmm. And basically, she was the building blocks from the bottom up. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about being a reporter and then making the switch into going in-house to be a producer. So you always see the people who are in front of the camera. I always wanted to be one of those people. I was never shy. Public speaking didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed going out to meet people. So I had all the personality traits to be a reporter. I kind of reported a little bit in college. I worked at a radio station. I'd go out and interview people. And I do a little bit of it then. And I did it in school. And then I landed my first job in this really small town in eastern Kentucky, like middle of nowhere. But it was one of those things where it's like any job I can take where I'm on camera, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And so I wind up in the middle of nowhere reporting it was just like the wildest stories. I remember I had to do one story where there was a neighborhood petition to get a man to remove pigs from his yard because they were stinking up the neighborhood. And I had to go around and interview the neighbors who were against the pigs. And I had to go interview the man who was for the pigs. And I just remember thinking, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Yeah, you see a lot of glamour, but it's not always glamorous. Yeah. And yeah. it was exciting. There's definitely some grit involved in it. But one thing I really didn't like, I would come in every day and I would pitch stories and do all of this research. And I would always get stuck on stories that I didn't get to choose. There were people who were behind the camera who were making the choices for me. Oh. And at the time, I worked in a very male-dominated newsroom. All of my bosses were men. I felt like a lot of the stories we did weren't a narrative that I wanted to tell. I remember coming up with a lot of stories about maternal health that we never went through with doing, about mm -hmm. women's safety, and I was just constantly shot down. Mm. And I knew... I was not the only woman in a newsroom facing that in the country. And my next job, one thing I really looked for was a newsroom with strong women leadership, which I feel like I found at my current job. And I wanted to be one of the people who was making those choices and deciding what we covered and what we were telling people. So now every day I am part of a team of people who not only picks out what people watch and see and hear but the order that it goes in okay. and the way that it's written and it's a responsibility that I take very seriously to do the job correctly you have to realize we all have bias mm -hmm. but when you're a journalist you have to try the best that you can to throw that bias away when you're on mm -hmm. the job to work past that well that's very interesting so what kind of guidelines are you using for yourself 
to make your decisions about the stories that are on the air every day? A lot of people who watch the news are middle-aged or elderly. Mm-hmm. And we actually, we do have a lot of women who watch the news. I ask myself, what would my mom or what would my grandma want to watch? What would they want to know about? Okay. And that's part of the justification that I use. And if I can't justify with that, I have to look at, well, what would my co-worker's mom want to watch? Mm-hmm. Or what would my co-worker's wife want to see? Or what would my neighbor want to watch? And so you kind of have to think about not what interests you all the time, but your community Mm -hmm. and what's impacting your community. So, yes, sometimes we have to, unfortunately, cover some very sad events like the recent mass shooting in downtown Sacramento. But in those situations, you just have to remember it's your job to inform the public Mm -hmm. and to tell them not only what they care about, but sometimes you have to tell them things that they should care about, that they might not know about. Right. So those are kind of the guidelines. I always think, what do my viewers need and what do my viewers want? And what do my viewers need that they don't know that they need? All right. Do you have a favorite career-defining moment that you'd like to share with us? There are a couple that come to mind. I would say last year when we did wildfire coverage, there were times when we were doing wildfire coverage last year where we were on air nonstop and it was just no breaks. You don't Mm -hmm. get up from your desk. You don't get up to use the bathroom. You're on the phone with reporters nonstop. You are talking to the anchors. You're talking to the meteorologist. And I just remember having days like that for a couple of weeks last year But at the end of it, I knew what we did mattered. And Uh that's the reason we do our jobs. Back when I was in Kentucky and I was still reporting, I went out to this community that flooded. And it flooded so severely, you had to take boats to get to people's houses. There was Uh so much water on the road. And so I got on the boat and I spent my entire day out on the cold on this boat going with first responders while they were delivering food to people at their houses. And... I remember just how relieved those people looked when they saw that not only were the first responders looking out for them, but that the news had come out to show people what they were going through mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to demand answers as to why that was happening in their community. So those are a couple of defining moments that I think of. Mm, okay, thanks for sharing. I know there's no typical day. I mean, even as a um, a talent acquisition director or recruiter, no day was typical. Every day was slightly different, although you're doing, quote, the same thing. Can you share a little bit about what your untypical day looks like from planning to producing a live show? Yeah, so typically my day starts <laughs> when I wake up in the morning before I'm even at work. I'm checking my emails. I'm checking my text messages. I'm looking at what's going on in the news. I'm looking at alerts that I'm getting on my phone. Sometimes I'm opening up my computer because I want to be prepared if there's news already going on and want to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'm watching the news in the morning while I'm getting ready or listening to the news on the way into work on the radio. Mm -hmm. So the day begins basically from the moment I wake up (laughs) before I even get in. We typically start our day with a meeting where we assign reporter stories. We talk about what's going on in the community, events that we're going out to for the day. And I pick out the stories that we're doing for the day. So we'll have a list of local stories. And those local stories will always 
be covered to some extent. Mm-hmm. And then um, when we start talking about state and national and regional topics, that's when I start picking and choosing, okay, what are we going to use? What's important? What are people talking about right now? What's trending on the website? And I start pulling stories and then I write. It's between stories and what we call teases in the newscast when the anchor says coming up next. Between right. all of that, I write between 30 to 40 things a day. You get really fast at typing. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> and you get really good at typing without looking at your keyboard while you're on the phone with someone and looking in the other direction. <laughs> so toward the end of the day, when we get closer to the newscast, I kind of go back through what we're doing. I do have a team helping me. I'm not all on my own. Obviously, we have our on-air personalities. We have the reporters. We have the anchors. I have an executive producer who's guiding me throughout the day. He's Mm -hmm. typically in charge of calling our reporters, letting me know where they're at, what they're doing. So he kind of acts as the middleman so I can focus more on what's going on in the newsroom. And then I have some writers who will come in toward the end of my shift and they will help a little bit. So five or 10 other stories in my newscast will help me write. Mm -hmm. Then the day starts to wind down and I go into what we call the booth which is a TV control room. So every newsroom has a little control room where we can see all the monitors that have all the camera shots that are in the studio where the anchors are. And then we can also see where all of our reporters are live, even before they go live. And so I have, I don't know, I'd have to count. I, I probably have two dozen screens in front of me back there. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be watching at least half of them, telling the reporters when they're going live, I'm letting the anchors know what's coming up next, telling the meteorologist how much time they have left. Mm-hmm. So there's also a lot going on, but then the show ends. And if I'm lucky, I get to go home. But some days it's not only my show, so I have to stay behind. So mm-hmm. typical day is an eight hour day, but really it's not unusual to have a 10, 12 hour day. Mm-hmm. I know you all work fairly long hours because the news never stops, right? So you're always at the mercy of the news, which is great. And you pray for things to happen, but sometimes it's not convenient to your own personal schedule. (laughs) Okay. So what do you consider to be your biggest challenges in this type of role? (laughs) There are a lot of challenges. (laughs) Even though I'm technically not a manager, I do have to manage a lot because you have so many reporters who are going into your show in a one hour show. And then you have anchors. And I had a coworker, one of our reporters actually said the other day, she was like, I feel like you are the anchor that keeps our ship where it needs to be. And I really appreciated her saying that, but that's kind of what it's like. There's so many people and you have to keep track of what everyone's doing Mm -hmm. and you have to make sure everyone's on the same page. So it's over communicating over the top. I'm not quiet in the newsroom. Everyone can tell you that, (laughs) but you have to be loud Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm shouting, but I'm not, I'm not angry shouting. I'm shouting because I need 20 different people to hear what's happening and they're all hearing it from me and they're relying on me to tell them all those little moving pieces and it never Mm -hmm. stops. There's something changing constantly. There's a story breaking. There's someone calling us to tell us something. 
There's a reporter who got a flat tire on her way to her interview. Um, you know, there's an anchor who is running late because they had to stop at a community event. It's just a constant change, constantly keeping track of what people have to do and then rolling with the punches. I have this motto that I've been using lately. It's kind of a new thing. Aim for perfection, but prepare for mistakes. Um, <laughs> and that's how I have to live every day. Okay. All right. Sounds like a good motto. So since you were talking about the project management piece of what you do on a daily basis, what are the other skills that you feel are needed to be successful in in the role that you have right now? You have to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. You have to be understanding, but also firm. You have to be ready to accept you're not always right. You have to not be afraid to say, I don't know. And know that it's okay to ask other people when you don't know. I cannot be an expert on everything when I'm writing 30 or 40 stories and there's a political story, mm-hmm. a weather story, a crime story. I can only be as much of an expert as Google and my knowledge allow me to be. It's taking charge, but also leaning on people and trusting them to be there for you. It's being good at multitasking and it's knowing when to say you are overwhelmed because it can be a lot sometimes. And sometimes you do have to say this is too much. And I think that's something that I'm still trying to learn. (laughs) But I think that's also a lot of journalists will tell you we do try to do everything ourselves. I think you kind of tend to be very self-reliant as a journalist. Don't you think you'd say that? Oh, absolutely. So I think it's a hangover from that, you know, being in the field, having to do it all, that you bring that that whole mentality and skill set with you into a producing role. You know, everybody's running around with their hair on fire, especially when there's, uh, you know, breaking news. So you're trying to calm everybody down if you need to make sure everything's going to work smoothly. You're taking that piece on yourself. And so you do that enough times and over the course of a certain amount of time, you kind of have that mentality that you can do this. I can master this. I can find a way to make it work. So I I totally get that. Where would you like to take your career? Because I'm sure you don't want to be a producer for the next 25 years. So (laughs) (laughs) grow yourself. Which directions? The news landscape is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And I would like to eventually get into something a little bit more long form. I think the dream is to work nationally. I mean, 60 minutes, if I could work on 60 minutes, how amazing would that be? Even if I didn't make it to that level, some sort of long format where I would have a lot of creativity and still get to do something similar to what I do now. I think that would be really amazing. And I would love to eventually sit down and give myself some free time and do some sort of hobby work too. Podcasting will be really fun or shooting and editing videos. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll be your resource. Okay. I can share with you what little I know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) If someone wanted to learn more about working in the newsroom, having a career as a journalist, what would you suggest they do or go to learn more about it? 
if you are in school, if you're in college or high school, look into getting some sort of internship or even just look at coming and visiting a station for a day. There's so much that people don't know about what we do, even when you're studying it in school. And just even half a day in our life can be really eye-opening. Reach out to someone. Every journalist I met is friendly. So many of us have our emails posted online or we're on LinkedIn. We're, we're very reachable. Um, we're used to being the ones bugging people, but I would encourage people to bug us. If there's someone you enjoy watching on TV or a channel you enjoy watching, send them an email and let them know that the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to get busy, not see the email. And you're not going to get a response. So mm-hmm. then email them again, because yeah. that's probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the personality trait for the job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give up. And, and, you know, after the first call, you got to keep calling. Um, Macy, it's been delightful having you share with us more about what happens on the other side of the camera that people really don't think about, you know, every once in a while we'll hear, because I watch the the news in the morning, CBS, you know, after I've flipped from several other stations and I'll hear in my ear, I'm hearing, we got to go, we got to go. <laughs> so that's you. Keep oh, that is me. Track. Yeah. <laughs> but we really don't think about that much. So it's good to hear what goes on. And I know that actually just from talking to my niece who works with you, that there are so many jobs that people have no clue about as far as working in the news industry. So thank you for coming on board to share with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So glad you joined us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like us because your ratings matter. We'll be bringing you new podcasts every two weeks on the first and third Wednesdays. My goal is to help you, my valued listeners in your job search, and continue to help you right on through your work life. To make that happen, though, your support is needed. By listening regularly, we can keep this going. But you can also help by sharing the podcast with your network of friends, family, and coworkers. Ask them to listen. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and so many more. Not so podcast savvy? Tell them they can go to listen on our website at www.insiderscareerclub.com. I appreciate your support. Stay safe and take care.